So a few weeks ago we began looking at the names of God, and uh, there they kind of all are, as not all of them, but a number of them as they are listed off through uh, just kind of a diagram there. Uh, we looked at, you can change the slide to the next one, thanks. So uh, what a mighty God we serve, the names of God. We looked at the first three, which will be the next one. Elohim. Elohim is Creator God. Uh, Father God. We looked at that as Genesis 1.1, where God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, we looked at uh, Yahweh. Yahweh is the Lord. This is the name that uh, was given to Moses when uh, Moses was asking, who, when I go back to the Israelites, am I to say is sending me? And he says, just tell them that I am. And so we have Yahweh or Jehovah. And uh, the next one is Adonai, the Lord. Sometimes those are reversed as far as Yahweh and Adonai. And typically when talking to the Gentiles, the use of Adonai was over uh, Yahweh. And so typically that's when he was addressing or working with uh, the Gentile nations. Uh, Tonight we have three names we're going to look at, but just before we kind of travel into that, you don't have the microphone, so you're just going to have to kind of speak up a little louder. Uh, For my hearing, not Brian, he's good, he can hear you, but I can't, so... Uh, so just uh, allow uh, any thoughts in the last few weeks as far as we talked about these names of God and what they meant. Uh, did the uh, Lord kind of confirm any of that this week for you? Uh, maybe remind you of something that uh, we had shared in the past few weeks? We'll give you some time to think. We're going to look at three different names tonight. So the first name that we're going to look at, you can change that. Thanks, Matt. Jehovah Matakadish. Makadish is also Makadish Kim. Sometimes they put the K-I-M at the end of it. The Lord sanctifies or the Lord makes holy. The Lord who sanctifies. Leviticus 20 verse 8. Ezekiel 37 verse 28. God makes it clear that He and He alone, not the law... Right? They sometimes got, I think, a little confused on thinking that the law made them holy. Uh, God had to remind them it's not the law that makes them holy, but God alone can cleanse people and make them holy. So verse 8 of Leviticus 20 says, Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And that is the word there. It could be Yahweh, Makadish. But that's the word used, I am the one. Uh, Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-eight. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. It's interesting that when the children of Israel set out from Redom, they came to, in, across the wilderness of Sinai and they camped in the wilderness. And there, Israel, they camped in front of the mountain And Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, You shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant then you shall be my own possession among all of the peoples of all the earth, mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
Exodus 19, 2-6. See, Israel was to be, and we are to be, a kingdom of priests. That was the call. So God brought the people to Mount Sinai. And we know what happened at Mount Sinai for most of us. This is where God gave them the covenant of the law and the pattern for the tabernacle where they would worship their God. So these covenants would set them apart as a kind of a peculiar people, right? A particular, also could use the word peculiar, people as God's own possession. And they would come to know Jehovah as Jehovah Mekadish Kim, as they observed his Sabbaths. If you turn to Exodus chapter 31, I'll read 12 through 18. Exodus 31. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you know, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You keep, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking to him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. See, these words, sanctify, could also be said set apart, holy. could be used as the same word for the saint. They come from a common word from the Hebrew called kadash. In the Greek, it's Haggis, uh, but those are the same words used to mean set apart, sanctify, holy, etc. And so the first lesson that we learn about the name of God is that this name of God is the Lord that sanctifies. It's interesting that it's God who has to do the sanctifying work. And some have said, you know, when you come into God's presence, you come in recognizing that we are not worthy. And that's a right posture to come into the Lord's presence in because He's the only one who can make us holy. And we know in the New Testament that the righteousness of Christ is what's given to us through faith and belief in Him. His righteousness given to us. The next one's Yahweh. Right? Siddiku. Siddiku. However you want to say it, but that's Siddiku. We had kind of gone through this one... um, and made reference to it. That's the next one. Oh, there we go. There, sorry. The Lord is our righteousness. And so that ties in with the set-apart sanctity uh, that the Lord shows us. The Lord, our righteousness, is Jeremiah 33.16. As with Yahweh Makedesh, uh, it is God alone who provides righteousness. It's from the Hebrew word, uh, to man, 
Right? So righteousness is provided to man ultimately in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, who became sin for us, that we, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which uh, it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah 33.16 I don't know how many listen to the kind of contemporary Christian music station, but there's a song by uh, Maverick City. It's a catchy song, but it's titled Gyra. So I thought, I'm, I'm going to read through the lyrics. I've, you know, bopped my head along to the tune and listened to the song, uh, but not really dived in. It's an, an interesting read. You are Jehovah. You are enough. Uh, you are Gyra. You are enough. Jireh, you are enough. And I will be content in every circumstance. You are Jireh, you are enough. Forever enough, always enough, more than enough. Forever enough, always enough, more than enough. And there's some numerous verses that go along with, with the song. But I must confess that as I kind of read through the lyrics of the entire song, I finished... Kind of feeling that the lyrics failed to capture the depth and the deep meaning and significance of really what Jehovah, uh, Jehovah means as far as our provider. And so I, we turn into the next one, Jehovah Jireh. God provides. Right? The Lord will provide. And as I kind of went through this, I just felt like there was just not enough. I know uh, what Jehovah means as far as Jehovah Jireh, that He will provide. But I've kind of left with the questions, why is God enough? How is He enough? And what did Jehovah do? And how did uh, He provide? The song just doesn't answer those questions. It just says He is enough. And those questions are not answered necessarily in the song, but I do realize that we're reminded that God continues to provide for us after salvation as well as for salvation and that He is enough. He is our portion. He is all that we need. But we uh, need to dig deeper into Jehovah Jireh to uncover the wonderful meaning as it relates to our provision by our Father. So Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. How many times is this mentioned in Scripture? How many times do we find God as Jehovah Jireh? At least once. <laughs> Very good answer. And you, you could have just stopped with saying once. In Genesis chapter 22, we find God being addressed by uh, Moses as, or sorry, in 22 as Abraham as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. The meaning the Lord will provide in Genesis 22.14. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And it is said to be to that to this day. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. It's interesting. Is there a song that this reminds you of in the secular world? You are? Yes? You know who sings a song? 
Bob Dylan in Highway 61 Revisited tells the story of of Genesis chapter 22 like this. Oh, God said to Abraham, "Kill, kill me a son. Abe says, man, you must be putting me on. God says, no. Abe says, what? I don't know the rest of the song, but I know those are the, those are the words that are in the lyrics. As we know, what isn't the answer that Abraham gives in response here in the Scriptures. But Dylan, Dylan is doing one thing. He's putting words to our shock or possible shock at the situation. Right? Depending on where we're from, as far as what we're looking at and the lenses we're looking at through this story, really, you're putting me on, right? As the kind of the thing, this kind of has a hint in our view is of child sacrifice in a holy book, right? In the Bible, what should we make of such a story? But it does depend on the lenses that we examine Genesis 22 through to determine whether our faith will be shaken. Right? Or whether our faith is strengthened. It all depends on how you view Genesis 22 and what lenses. You know, whether our faith crumbles or whether our faith stands firm. How we approach this passage makes all the difference when it comes to a journey of faith. It's interesting. I'll read a portion of an article written in the Baptist News Global by Al uh, Moeller. The story of Abraham offering a sacrifice to to sacrifice his son as a burnt offering in Genesis 22 makes sense only if it is taken literally as true. You think, oh, wait a minute, what's the mean by that? This is a Southern Baptist Seminary president said at a recent preaching conference. If this is merely a story, if this is just a literary artifact in ancient Israel, If this is to be interpreted as some sort of uh, parabolic account, if this did not happen in time and space and history, if God did not do exactly what it says in the text he did, and if Abraham didn't do exactly what this text says that he did, if this is just a narrative, then it is an immoral, horrifying narrative. Albert Moeller said in an audio message posted on his website in November 3rd, if it is, however, the truth, then we can be confident in our salvation. Moeller said that there have been many attempts to dismiss or soften the story viewed as morally troubling where God instructs Abraham in Genesis 22.2 of the King James Version to take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Moeller said, there are clues in the text itself that there is more going on than meets the eye. At the beginning of chapter 22, readers are told that God tested Abraham. This is a good thing that we're told this up front, Moeller said. This is a divine gift. God is giving us a clue. The Holy Spirit is inspiring Moses as he is writing Genesis to warn us in advance that we are to understand this text in terms of God testing Abraham. We need to know that. Moeller said Abraham also hints that he believes everything will turn out okay when he promises his servants that both he and the boy will return after they worship 
And he tells Isaac, God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Moeller said that the message is clear in the New Testament passages like James 2.21 uh, and 24, chapter 11.19, which adds, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. In other words, Abraham knew that even if he did what the Lord had commanded him to do, even if he took the knife and he slaughtered his son, even if he offered him up as a burnt offering, that the Lord would bring back him. He would bring him back, he said. Because Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel, the Lord who called him, and the Lord who renamed him, and the Lord who gave him this promise, and the Lord who declared him justified by the fact that he believed, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, that God will be faithful to his promises. And his promise was that the nations would be blessed and that a great nation would come through this boy. So if this boy is sacrificed, and this boy is even burned, that the Lord will bring him back, because the Lord will be faithful to His promise, Moeller said. And Abraham knew, as he said to those servants, the lad and I will go, and we will worship, and we will return. Abraham didn't know exactly how he was going to return with this boy, but he knew he was going to return with this boy. Moeller said in reading the story of Abraham and Isaac, modern disciples are being trained to expect things later revealed like Jesus' miraculous birth and His sacrificial death on the cross. Moeller said that the story points to the limits of literary interpretations of Scripture. Scripture is literature, but is never merely literature, he said. In Scripture, uh, in scripture are narrative accounts There are narrative accounts, but they're never merely narratives. This is a salvation history, he said. We are being told here how it is that we are saved. Genesis 22, 14. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh. can also be interpreted. The name Jehovah Jireh is found only this once. In the scripture here in the book of Genesis, it is used by Abraham to name this place on Mount Moriah where God provided him with a ram to sacrifice as a replacement for his son Isaac. This is a beautiful name for God because it reflects his faithfulness and how he keeps his promises. God knows exactly what is going on in our lives. Everything. Just like in Abraham's case. He will never fail us nor forsake us in our times of need. Perfect timing here. K. Arthur says of the Lord will provide. Besides being the place where Abraham offered Isaac, Mount Moriah was significant too because Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the, the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, uh, the Jebusite. So on Mount Moriah, every temple sacrifice, right? every temple sacrifice on Mount Moriah would echo Abraham's words, the Lord will provide. That just struck me as I read through. Every sacrifice on that mountain echoed the words back, the Lord will provide, and echoed the words forward, 
that Christ will provide. What what a picture of God's provision for salvation. Every uh, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. Right? In the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Genesis twenty two fourteen. Every lamb, every goat, every sacrifice would point to the one ultimate sacrifice. Since it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, God prepared a body for His Son. You see that in Hebrews 10, 4-5. Then at the appointed time, on the day of Passover, Jehovah took His Son, His only Son whom He loved, and He led Him to Mount Calvary. There He laid Him on a cross. Again, this struck me. This time, there was no voice from heaven. Right, to stop the hand of God, a hand of death. In Abraham's case, the Lord will provide, and the Lord was testing Abraham. It was a picture of what the sacrifice that was to be made, and it was a picture of what Christ would accomplish on the cross. But on the cross, God did not restrain because that was what was needed for our salvation. There He laid Him on the cross. This time there's no voice from heaven to stop the hand of death. There's no ram in the thicket to take the place because this lamb was the provision of Jehovah Jireh for the sins of the world. What man could not provide, God provided for us. And so those names are so deep and significant to remind us you know, it's God who sanctifies. It's God who provides righteousness in our stead. And then ultimately, the sacrifice of Christ was, is revealing that the Lord will provide for us. And yes, salvation. And yes, God continues to provide for us in our journey of faith, right, in our walk. Well, maybe we'll leave a little time. Hopefully, you can have a little discussion with each other or maybe some thoughts come out of that as you digest this even during the week. We have uh, three other names we'll look at. I'm going to keep you guessing, so you'll have to look through the list to see what those three are for, uh, for next week. Heavenly Father, thank you. We do thank you for your great provision. We recognize that, as your scripture says, who can stand before a holy God? We know we can't. Lord, that we, uh, we are sinful. We are a failure. We are told that we are enemies of you, that we in and of ourselves, bring nothing to the table uh, to credit us any form of righteousness. And yet, because of what you did on the cross, because of your Son, because of your provision, uh, Lord, you grant us salvation and a steading, and a, a view that we could be righteousness in, be righteous in Christ. So we thank you for that. We thank you for these reminders of who you are. We thank you that uh, we're reminded of your provision that you will provide. And you did provide. You provided a, a, a lamb, a ram in the, in the thicket for Abraham as he um, went through an obedience to what you had asked. What a picture that is of you as the father, your love for the son, your sacrifice of the son for us, the shedding of his blood. And that was just to give us a picture of what was to come. We thank you that we see through the Old Testament all of those sacrifices that were made continually uh, all the time uh, to cover sin were just pictures, again, that 
showed us and demonstrated what you were going to accomplish, and we see it clearly now as we look back, and we recognize that price that you paid for us, that you did provide. You provided ultimately for the salvation of all who put their faith and trust in you. And we thank you for that. That's uh, it's been mentioned so deep, and it's a very um, thought-provoking for us and humbling. And we come to you humbled that you see us that way and provided for us and that your love for us was demonstrated uh, on the cross. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.